Welcome to Women Tech Charge. I'm Amri Maffedon, your host, and I'm joined here today by Charmaine Chan at Lucasfilm slash ILM, which is Industrial Light and Magic. You will recognise Lucasfilm for the Lucasfilms, all the big movies. <laughs> if you don't recognise it, um, welcome. <laughs> Ever since a young age, I've been a huge Spice Girls fan. Very much girl power <laughs> since a very young age. I built a fan website. To me, representation absolutely matters, and it's so important. You know, that's what I love about technology, right? Like, it, it's ever-evolving. Your art is ever-evolving as well. Women in all these supervisor positions, they're here, and they're doing some of the best, biggest projects you can think of. There's definitely been a lot of exciting projects that I've worked on. I think one of the highlights was definitely working on Black Panther. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Brian Coogler, the director, was very adamant about making sure that his crew, cast and crew, were a reflection of society, so a diverse cast. So, you know, we've, we've done digital scans of actors. And, you know, the, it's always been, you know, uh, a point to make sure that these actors know what is happening with their digital doubles. I think the problem with a lot of the deep fake being used these days is there is no consent, right? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, 
or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. You're working on this new project now at Lucasfilm, which won't be secret by the time this podcast comes out, called Mandalorian, which is the Star Wars TV series. I have never met a Mandalorian. I've only read the stories. What's exciting is that, you know, we've used all this new technology and this is the first time we're trying live action in a TV episodic format. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. What is something that has been particularly difficult or quite new that we can look out for in episode one? So The Mandalorian is a cowboy western sci-fi episodic. <laughs> we are following this bounty hunter through a whole bunch of different quests. Um, there are a lot of creatures, there's a lot of, you know, just, it's super fun. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. It has great comedic beats, um, and we're using brand new technology in it. There's not too much I can disclose right now about the technology <laughs> that we use, but it's, you know, it's a little bit of old school and it's a little bit of new school. Nice. And I think that's where visual effects really succeeds. You're, you're just going to have to watch and find <laughs> out. Charmaine, what is a lead compositor? Right. So I do visual effects for film and TV, and we basically create all those worlds and creatures that don't exist in reality and put them into those films that you see. As a compositor, I'm the one who takes all those elements, whether they be CG renders or the plates that you shoot on set, basically like green screen elements, uh-huh. and I kind of layer them all together and deal with lighting and um, effects and basically make that final polish image that so, you see. So you're like the person that removed, is it the moustache or the beard? Ah. In Superman. I mean, I personally did not work on that, but that is definitely one of the tasks that we get to do, yeah. which is like sometimes it's cosmetic from like <laughs> removing mustaches or like actually painting out little gray hairs on someone because oh, they, don't, wow. they don't want them to look old. Okay. Um, to the more extravagant things like a giant ship coming out of water for like Pirates of the Caribbean. What is the most random thing that you've had to do as a Ooh, most compositor? random thing? Actors appear very gorgeous and glamorous <laughs> a lot of times they're not quite um i won't mention specifically <laughs> whom but certain actors may be shorter than we <laughs> I expect think we can guess what you're talking about um, okay. and quite often they have to you know stand on apple boxes or <laughs> wear heels and i remember one of my first ever shots that i ever had to composite i had to remove an apple box that this major big actor was that was one on. of your first things that you had to do yeah when you're starting off you get tasked with the little things <laughs> that you know most people don't want to do and they shouldn't have to exist if you're short you're short you own no, absolutely, it right absolutely but you know God. hollywood's selling an I- image can you imagine having to do that for kind of race or someone's skin color yeah like things that you just can't change 
I think a lot of people would love a lead compositor in their life in general. <laughs> I think makeup artists do a good job, but actually right. compositing would be would be amazing. How do you become, maybe not necessarily lead compositor specifically, but how do you become someone that works in VFX, in visual effects? Yeah, so I feel like when it comes to the visual effects, the great thing is that it combines both art and technology. Mm -hmm. um, you definitely can't have one without the other. So it doesn't matter if you come from an art background or a tech background, if you have a passion for filmmaking, mm -hmm. if you have a passion for just visual storytelling, this is definitely the industry for you. Okay. And you yourself, do you have that arts background? Do you have your that technical background? A bit of both. I went to university studying art, studio art specifically, but I focused in photography and video production. Um, but on the side, I've always been a huge nerd. I've been like playing video games since like age eight. I built my first computer at like age 12. Um, and I kind of taught myself programming and scripting on the side. Wow, okay. Awesome. And is that something you did along the side when you were 12, kind of younger? Or is it something you've done once you've entered the industry? No, this is actually something I did ever since I was a young teen. Um, because ever since a young age, I've been a huge Spice Girls fan. Oh, wow. So okay. very much girl power <laughs> since a very young age. Um, but I built a fan website. You know, awesome. which okay. was, you know, you make the graphics and yeah. you do some HTML and like mm -hmm. CSS behind. And yeah, that was kind of like my kick of just like, ooh, this is fun where it's a mix of both, you know, technology and art. So you were that self-described kind of nerdy person. But Absolutely. You studied arts at university. So take me through the choices and the decisions going from nerdy to art person. Yeah. I mean, the thing was like. I, like I said, I was very nerdy. I was very much like focusing on maths and sciences um, throughout high school. And I even took a computer science class in high school because my school offered that. Mm -hmm. And as I'm taking all these programming classes, I'm like, all right, I can do this. But it's like, you know, you're just staring at text all the time. And I'm a very <laughs> visual person. Yeah. And so I wanted to see the results. Okay. And I felt like programming didn't quite give me the visual results I wanted to. Mm. But I saw that like, you know, creating websites, like I can see the results. And so I was trying to look for something that was more, you know, within the digital realm, but mm. more visual. Mm. And so that's where I landed upon more like video and photography, um, which is a great foundation for, um, you know, filmmaking in general. Yeah. Because um, you're dealing with, you know, a lot of just like, how things are lit, how things are composed, and just like overall using your eye to, you know, figure out what is the way you want to portray its story. The other thing that I wanted to talk to you about was women in VFX right. and kind of showcasing these stories of women like yourself, women who work across industry, who've got lots of different backgrounds, doing lots of different things in video form and being able to share their stories, but also talk about what it is that they've done, like the cool things that they've created. What have been the coolest things you've learnt as part of that that initiative, that campaign? Um, and what are you excited to see as you continue on it? So I started Women in Visual Effects around, around the summer of 2016, which was basically, this was when I was still living in San Francisco right before the 2016 election, so mm -hmm. Trump versus Hillary. Mm -hmm. um, I was just very motivated to get the stories out there of women in our industry. Like I personally identify as a queer woman of color. Mm -hmm. And to me, representation absolutely matters. Yeah. And it's so important. And I've always wanted to see more representation in media. And so I was born and raised in Hawaii, which is a very diverse state. It's a melting pot of like different cultures mm -hmm. and different um, <laughs> ethnicities. 
moves to LA for university, also a melting pot of different cultures. And then I moved up to San Francisco, which I thought would be the same as well, and stepped into Lucasfilm offices and it was like, whoa, mm. this is not diverse. <laughs> I am not seeing people that reflect me whatsoever. Um, but the thing was, that was my first impression as I stepped in. As I started working in industry longer, I realized there actually are people of color, women, LGBT folks who, again, like I mentioned, they're not in the limelight of mm, everything. Mm. But they're talented, they're amazing, and their stories needed to be heard. Mm. And clearly, you know, with the 2016 elections, it didn't quite go in a direction that I hoped for. And, you know, I felt like we actually went backwards as a country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because of that, I felt like even more that their voices needed to be heard. So I started interviewing people at ILM, specifically women in all these supervisor positions. And it's like, these women have made it. They're, they, they're here. They're here. Yeah, and yeah. they're doing some of the best, biggest projects you can think of. Mm. And to hear their stories, especially like the ones that have been in the industry for 20, 30 years, yeah. and how what they've had to go, go through to get mm. to the point that they're at now, it was just you know incredible. And I think it might have been because of the you know emotions of the 2016 elections. There was just a lot said and a lot of emotions that were put through mm. um, that I was very surprised about. I remember interviewing one supervisor, and at one point she just broke down, mm. and we and we cut the camera, and she just like straight up told me that she she has two daughters. And she's not sure this is an industry she would ever want to tell her daughters to get into just because of all the stuff that she had, she had to go through. You know, hearing stories like that, that makes me want to change what our current industry is like. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like that. It, it shouldn't be like that. Exactly. I think the more we talk about it on things like this and the more we can bring it up in our workplace environment, the better we can make the environment for future generations and the more of us that are there in the workforce and they're in those environments right do come and join us in this vfx party yeah absolutely <laughs> if you're listening looking for a new new, new project job. a new direction a yep. new thing to do um do come and join us um, and there are all kinds of things you can look out for and so you studied that at, at university the, the mm -hmm. art side was it something you then immediately went off into kind of into the vfx industry were there other things that you did is it that you kind of you graduate and you're like day one hey i'm ready let's go um i mean what, what do we know when we're in university <laughs> right i mean i i felt like because i had a web development background mm -hmm. i thought that's what i was going to get into but the thing was i actually went to university down in los angeles okay and so that basically exposed me oh, to the Hollywood, Hollywood exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, the thing was like, you know, throughout my university career, I applied for internships and I got positions both in web development, but then I started moving towards um, motion graphics, which mm -hmm. is, you know, manipulation of 2D images in an animated way. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of led me into my first job, which was at Deluxe, which was doing um, motion graphics for DVD menus. Back in the days of DVDs. We remember those. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the DVD thing that kind of bounced around yeah. the screen. Was exactly. That you? It was. That's amazing though. It's worth shouting. I'm like, how many kids still remember DVD menus is a thing, right? Like 
All the older kids remember right, DVD. Right, yeah, the exactly. really, really old kids remember DVD. That's so funny. Yeah. You could sit and watch that for hours. Oh, absolutely. We did. We always put in a little Easter eggs here and yeah. there and just like made it so it's like, you know, it's a game, essentially, <laughs> before you watch your movie. You yeah. can like see all these extra features. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Is that like your proudest moment from your, from your career, would you say? I mean, actually, the Shaun of the Dead UMD was probably my... Okay proudest moment it was a fun little because we we illustrated all these zombies and like made the menu like you're playing a first person shooter (laughs) if we were going to sum up your journey into vfx Mm -hmm. and what you know now as a lead and for anyone maybe wanting to make the switch who's inspired by if not hollywood they're inspired by bafta or whatever they're kind of or nollywood or bollywood what would you say are the kind of main skills that someone would need if they're wanting to enter into the industry yeah so like i said before i feel like when it comes to visual effects it goes back down to the basis basics of just like filmmaking right mm-hmm. so like filmmaking and cameras mm-hmm. right so we're trying to recreate reality in a digital world and a lot of that happens through a camera lens. Mm. And so if you learn how cameras work, if you learn how lighting affects objects, lighting affects environments, um, that is always a great way to start into visual effects. But that's if you want to be an artist in visual effects. Um, the, the great thing about visual effects, though, is that you can get into that industry and using a whole bunch of different skill sets. Mm -hmm. Like I have colleagues who have PhDs in physics. Mm -hmm. Well, I have other colleagues who used to like restore frescoes in churches, you know? And so you can be science oriented, you can be art oriented, or you can even just be someone who's just like really organized and passionate about the production of film, Mm -hmm. you know? And if you want to be a producer, you can be a visual effects producer as well. So your background can vary. It doesn't have to be specifically like what I was talking about, um, which is the great thing about visual effects. So it's like, if you want to get into filmmaking, if you love these like big blockbuster films, whether it be like Star Wars or anything Marvel, you know, like you can definitely get into it with a wide range of skill sets. And would you say that someone kind of comes to it with the skills they already have and then learns as they go? Or is it that actually you might want to do a little bit of prep work and kind of learn to code if you're an artist or if you're on the more development side, you want to kind of learn a little bit more about the art of filmmaking? How open is the industry? I mean, the industry is super open. And what I've learned is that everyone who's in industry is super passionate about the industry Mm -hmm. and wants to teach and learn more. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say it's great to have that background skill, Mm -hmm. but it's not absolutely necessary i feel like if you have the drive if you have the passion you will find the people who Mm. will be willing to teach you these things along the way time for a break send me a message using the hashtag hashtag women take charge and please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to podcasts you're at lucasfilm which means that there's lots of things that you're working on that you can tell us (laughs) Lots of things you're working on that you can't tell us. What's What's been, other than the DVD one, which is the highlight of your career, as a lead compositor or at Lucasfilm, what's been the most exciting thing that you've got to work on? Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely been a lot of exciting projects that I've worked on. I think one of the highlights was definitely working on Black Panther. My son, it is your time. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Don't 
don't freeze. I'm the only one who's seen it. And made it out alive. Wow, I love that film. Yeah, um, it was... You know, we we Lucasfilm ILM has had a strong partnership with Marvel mm-hmm. um, since the beginning with mm-hmm. the first Iron Man, um, and we got to work on Black Panther, which was great. Um, but what I loved the most was that um, Ryan Coogler, the director, mm-hmm. who's from Oakland originally, mm-hmm. Bay Area, mm-hmm. um, he was very adamant about making sure that his crew, cast and crew, were you know a reflection of society, so a okay. diverse cast. Yeah. Um, and one thing we struggle in the visual effects industry is that it's it's not very equal. It's not very diverse. Um, but somehow on Black Panther, we were able to get a pretty diverse crew. Do you which, think it was the coolness of the of the brief? Do you feel like it was the storyline that lent itself to getting you that diverse crew? I mean, I think it was a you know a lot of it comes from top down right like okay. the fact that the director was very adamant that it was a priority it, that was a priority for right him. okay yeah i think that trickled down uh-huh. and so you know i i think this was the first time i actually worked on a project where i was all like oh we have people of color as leads and supervisors <laughs> yeah. you know which is where very have you rare. been all my life exactly yeah. <laughs> and the thing is like you know they do exist we do exist mm. and everyone's super talented but the thing is they're rarely the ones who are in the limelight they're not the ones who are featured in the behind the scenes kind of things. Mm. And I think being able to see that change happen within our industry, both visual effects and Hollywood Mm. was such a, just personally for me, it was such a like hurrah moment Mm -hmm. just because for me growing up, I, I've always felt like there's been such a lack of, you know, people of color, women of color being represented have you felt like the only quite a lot in, in a lot of those rooms absolutely yeah and, you know i still do quite often okay um and that's you know a, a hard topic to breach because you know mm. there's there's definitely a push for that change okay but whether or not that change is coming in that timely fashion that you know one would hope that's that's the hard part and it there's a push you're saying from the top down kind of in the in certain places in certain places yeah, yeah. but not across everywhere do you yeah. feel like there's enough of a pull so do you feel like it's something that enough people want to do it's definitely been a hot topic right like mm. especially what what i'll say is like the nice thing about visual effects being both art and technology is that you have comparing comparing um industries right you have hollywood and you have the tech industry Mm. and they've been very much at the forefront of like you know things like the me too movement Mm. and um you know a lot of the topics regarding just like equity equality exactly yeah exactly um and so we would hope because that's at the forefront that it would also reflect in the visual effects industry as well but the problem is it 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 hasn't you know there hasn't been much change and there's still a very strong boys club going on um not to say that these people are horrible people it's just you know it's been a it's societal the culture. yeah, yeah exactly. it's the culture and it's been the norm and it's yeah something that needs to be changed i think what what strikes me about it is that it is that breach that kind of uh the combination of the two right so it surprises me that if if we say you know a lot of people don't go into tech because they don't have the stem backgrounds yep. and then that implies that people you know, have non-step backgrounds, which, which might be art, might be humanities, might be a number of different things, then that would mean that for v- something like VFX that sits in between the two, you've got the lay of the land, you've got the pick of everyone, you've right. got all kinds. But then if you add that it's Hollywood, then it's something that's even more visual, maybe. Right. Um, although sometimes it, it, 
it is that kind of thing of like the moustache like that becomes a big thing that then it's like oh gosh yeah someone actually sat and did that and yeah. removed a moustache from frame know, by frame yeah right yeah. Um, so then that shines a light on those people but also like you're saying it's behind the scenes so sometimes there's not even the connection to say I love Hollywood this is something I can get involved in and yeah. be a part of I mean I think the the strongest you know issue we have is that you know people see we're using computers mm. to make these images mm. computer equals tech so mm. you know girls by default will be like oh that's a techie thing i, I can't get into it mm. um which is a complete you know you know they should look beyond something that wrong with, something wrong yeah. with our social norm really exactly. that, that, that's told them that yeah. okay so that's that's the vfx i think the other side i have to say so obviously i run stamets i, I work with mm-hmm. the girls and young women um Two events ago, so earlier this year, a parent came up to me and said, Amory, Amory, you need to help me out. My daughter really wants to be an animator. And she said that, you know, people get paid to do that and yeah. it's a good thing to do. And I mean, is she lying? Is that true? Is that something I should be supporting her to do? And I Absolutely. was like, yeah, you yeah. definitely should. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually had that issue myself, right? Like when I was declaring my major at university mm-hmm. and I told my parents, I'm like, I'm going to be an art major. <laughs> my dad was like... No, you're not. No, you're not. You're you're not going to be selling paintings at, on the streets. And I'm all like, that, that's not what I said no. I'm going to do. You know, so it's it's a lot of, you know, just education and advocacy of like, you know, there's more to art than just what people think of, you know, the poor artists. You know, that's what I love about technology, right? Like it, it's ever evolving. Mm. And because it's ever evolving, your art is ever evolving as well. So I I like that I'm in an industry that's constantly trying to innovate whatever the new greatest thing is going to be next. I wanted to talk a little bit with you, although it's kind of tangential rather than kind of squarely within your industry, deep fakes, because there's something that is hitting the headlines quite a lot. And I and I know it's something that's, that people are afraid of, people are frightened of. It's been headline grabbing and it's kind of, again, shone a light. What are the other altruistic ends? What are the other socially beneficial things that we're seeing coming out of VFX and the future of VFX? The thing with machine learning is, you know, everyone wants to jump on it. And don't get me wrong, we've definitely jumped on it as an industry as well. Mm. Um, You know, we've always needed to create digital doubles. Mm -hmm. You know, actors definitely cannot be flown around in space or, you know, (laughs) you know, thrown in the air by a giant robot. Don't tell them. Don't tell them that. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we've we've done digital scans of actors and, you know, it's always been, you know, a a point to make sure that these actors know what yeah. is happening with their digital doubles. Right. So, you know, there's there's this level of consent, which is expected. I think the problem with a lot of the deep fake being used these days is there is no consent, mm. right? You know, they're using people's faces and bodies without their permission mm. and using it in ways for their own agendas, mm. right? I think, you know, there are many different historical things that we can possibly preserve an archive if we're able to recreate you know certain imagery because like we lose things like film right like Mm. let's say a president or a prime minister has an important speech and you have a film Mm. of it but it's been so degraded over time and if you're trying to recreate it that's a lot of like painting artists you know that you need to use to um recreate it Mm. but for machine learning if we can provide you know photos Mm. of these officials and recreate it in a way so that we can present you history mm. in a clear and accurate way i think that's you know, a good thing yeah it's yeah. a good thing yeah. 
Thank you very much, Charmaine, for coming and recording this. You're today. welcome. Um, and I would like to formally announce your bid for an Oscar. I think this is a thing. You <laughs> heard it here yes. first. It will happen. I am working for it. It is coming. She will be a supervisor. She will be on the noms. And if any of you ever happen to be part of that judging panel, then vote for Charmaine because she's also mentioned she's <laughs> removed you. apple boxes from people. <laughs> um, but yeah, brilliant. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Lucasfilm for letting us have her as well. And yeah. ILM. Yes. This is Women Tech Charge. Subscribe and rate wherever you get your podcasts. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.